not an endurance tonight uh, to hear me and all these other preachers that's been here this week to preach. And Brother Mays asked me if I'd preach, and well, uh, that's my business. Amen. I'm yes. a preacher. Yes, sir. I'm not a minister. I'm a preacher. That's right. A lot of folks, you know, they're always looking for a, a mixer. One woman told me some time back, said, we don't have much of a preacher, but said, we've got a wonderful mixer. <laughs> well, I said, uh, you can get them Sears Roebuck, but bless God, I'm a mixer, but I'm looking for somebody to preach when I was born to preach. I think a man ought to preach like the house is on fire, hails the front yard, and the devil's climbing the back window. Amen. I think we ought to get excited about what he's preaching about. Amen. I heard a fellow say one time years ago, he said, if a man uh, is up preaching, he said, I want him to make me think he believes what he's preaching, what he does or not. Yes, sir. I we want to get excited about this thing of living for God Almighty. There's nothing more thrilling in all this world than to serve God and live for Jesus Christ. I played football for nine years, and believe it or not, I was a backfield man. Now, I know I look like the whole front line now, but I was a backfield man. And, uh, and believe it or not, I can outrun a scared hate, brother. I've got a scrapbook at the house where I run touchdowns and pitch no-hit ball games and, and all that. And there's never been a boy that ever played sports that loved ball any more than I did. I'm telling you what's the truth. I live to play ball. But I never had ball games that ever thrill my heart like serving Jesus Christ. I never had hunting that ever thrill me like serving Jesus Christ. And I love to hunt. I love to go fishing. I love to go on a picnic. I love all these good things. And I'm sure that they have their place somewhere in our life. But I want to tell you right now, there's nothing that excels going to God's house and hearing the preaching of God's blessed word. But I'll tell you, I've been to auction sales and, and those fellas, they, they're, they're uh, a practice stuff to get you excited. I mean, they're looking for every dime in your pocket. And I will walk in here, get up and say, hey, hey, hey. And he's gone, brother. And everybody's sitting there looking goggle eyed and wondering what's happening. And I mean, boy, after a while, everybody's appointing and hollering, hey, 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 hey. And you buy something you didn't want to buy. I went to Johnson City, Tennessee, and for the last few weeks or months now, I've, I've had a sugar problem. They said I <laughs> had a sugar problem. I reckon I just got some sweet. That's all it is good. But anyhow, I've got where I go to sleep. And I went to a mule sale in Johnson City, Tennessee, uh, back in the spring of last year. And uh, me and two fellas, and I sit up there asleep, and they're selling a little old half pony uh, mule, one of the little pony-sized mules. And they got the $39. I sit up there for sleep. I said, hey, <laughs> and hollered out, and brother, I bought it for $40. And somebody said, what's your name? And somebody punched me in the front and said, hey, what's your name? I said, Billy Kelly. <laughs> well, I didn't even know I bought the thing. I'm honest, before God, I didn't even know that I'd bought that mule. Well, after a while, the sale's over. Two fellas are with me said, you're going to get that mule? I said, what mule? said, that mule you bought? I said, man, I didn't buy no mule. They said, she didn't do it. I said, I didn't buy no mule. And so I went down to the office, and they just kept after me. And I thought they was pulling my leg. And I walked in, and sure enough, I paid $40 for a mule. And I didn't have no way to get it home, and I had to end up selling that thing for $39. Lost a dollar for going to sleep. Well, what do you think about that? 
Well, listen, friend, these auctioneers, I've been to auction sales, I've been to ball games, I've been on trips and had a time, but I never had anything to ever stir me like living for God Almighty. Bless God, I'll tell you right now, the devil can bar me, can stomp you down, and you can feel like that the world's caving in, and the sun will never shine, the storms will come upon you forever, and about that time, God will come tiptoeing across the back porch of your soul and kick over a barrel of honey. Amen. And bless God, it'll go to ooze and running everywhere. And the next thing you know, you're done on cloud nine. Holler, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because there's nothing like living for Jesus Christ. And brother, I'll tell you right now, outside of soul salvation, there's nothing thrill you anymore than to see somebody else saved. But God's wonderful, amazing grace. I want to say something tonight. This don't sound too important to a lot of folks. And they'll sit back and guys one another and giggle and whack on their chewing gum. Some go to sleep and some never pay no attention. But I'll tell you folks, listen, find out the direct will of God for your life. Amen. I mean, find out the direct will of God. Not the permissive will of God, but the direct will of God. I want to say if you find out, you young people tonight, if you find out the direct will of God in your early life and begin to practice what God wants you to do, you can, you can head off. Um, many of a heartache going to come your way. I believe you live in the right community if you know the direct will of God. I believe you marry the right person. <laughs> Some of you done said right now, done missed that. Amen. But anyhow, brother, I'll tell you, you'll, you'll marry the right I believe you'll have the right kind of a job. I believe you'll have the right church. You'll go to the right church. And you won't have to swap every 30 days and be known as a Trump Christian. Amen. That's right. A lot of people, they're buzzard Christians. That's what they are. Only time you ever see them from a funeral takes place or a stinks up, huh? That's right. That's the only time you ever see a buzzard. You need to look for a buzzard if there's not something dead around. And you let somebody die, here they come. They ain't been to church in six months, but they'll come a-sailing in, amen. And you let a stink get up to fix to run the preacher off, or get rid of the uh, some deacon. Man, they can smell a stink for 400 miles. I, well, I don't know, God must have fixed it in a buzzard somehow to pick up a uh, stinking things. I, I mean, he just smell a stink, they just something about it. I come by a hog pen one day, and it looked to me like there's a hundred buzzards is roosting in that hog pen. Well, nothing to eat around there, but it sure smelt good to them, I reckon. They're all sitting up there in the tree. I was smelling that old stinking hog pen, and it had deceived them. They'd come in from all over that portion around Meridian, Mississippi, and there's a lot of old buzzards down there. <laughs> Amen. And wasn't all of them hanging around that hog lot, did you know that? Why, there's one called me on the phone and she said, you old buzzard, you call me what? She said, why don't you take your wings and fly back where you come from? And she is mad because I said something about her snuff, two bros, Garrett's or something other. She's like mad. And she called me up and gave me a good cussed out. And I t- she said, I'll be glad I see you for the last time. I said, honey, if you're saved, you haven't seen me for the last time. I said, if you're saved, uh, you're going to see me and live with me in glory forever. And I said, if you ain't saved, I'm going to set the balcony to heaven. They throw you in hell, I'm going to holler hallelujah. Amen. That's right. You didn't read that, you go and read it. Your mind will be changed. You'll have the mind of God Almighty. You'll say amen to the truths of God and to God's ways and God's doings, my friend. That's the truth if ever I told it. Now, you couldn't do that tonight. Then none of us could holler amen to throw an addict mothers in hell and children in hell. But you get the mind of God and you find out that the righteousness of God and the holiness of God and the purity of God Almighty was right. In spite of mama, daddy, youngins, and everybody else, you'll say amen to the truths of God Almighty. 
I said, the book, you said, I can't swallow that. We'll choke on it. Amen. So anyhow, bless God, whether you believe it or don't believe it, that's right. I'll tell you what's the truth. A lot of people up and down the country, they're looking for a little mealy mouth, back scratching, compromising, ear tickling, pussyfoot, mud hole waller, cigarette sucking, poodle dog carrying preacher. They get up and talk so soft that it sounds like he's got a bunion on his tongue and a hernia on his lung. I never get excited. That's right. I was going to meet the other day, and a fellow got up and, and stomped out because I said something about the lodge hall. And you know what? I got, I've got plumb mean here later. I got to holler, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Amen. Holly is a leaving out. And I said, bless God, does anybody else want to go? Leave $10 so we can fumigate where you are sitting. Amen. And the rest of you can leave. Now listen, friends. God's word so, and it stands when the world's on fire. You can mark that down. It certainly will. I'll tell you, find out the will of God for your life tonight. You say, well, preacher, it's a hard thing to know. Well, I'll grant you a lot of times it is a hard thing to know the direct will of God. But I'd get over here in a sinkhole somewhere. I'd get over on the back side of the mountain over here. Lord, I've got her on top of the mountain. I'd get out in the holler. Lord, I've got the groundhog hole if I had to. I'd call on God. I'd ring the bells of heaven until I found out what God wanted me to do in this life. Huh? And God will use you. I used to pray when I first got saved, oh, Lord, use me. God, use me somewhere. Lord, you... And one day God said, son, why don't you quit praying that prayer? He said, you get usable, and I'll use you. <laughs> Amen. That's just how simple it is, huh? Reason God doesn't use some folks, why, they're not usable. One dear lady came to the L. Moody, the famous evangelist, and said, Mr. Moody, I'd give the world to have what you have. And old E.L. Moody looked at her and said, Lady, that's exactly what it cost me. It cost me the world. And if you're going to have power with God, if you're going to have victory with the Lord, find out the direct will of God, and get in the battlefield for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I appreciate the privilege to be here. appreciate Brother uh, uh, Dawson inviting us to come this way. And then uh, I appreciate Brother May's calling on me tonight. And I hope that I have something that will be a blessing to you. Now, a lot of times, I told the pastor, when I, uh, uh, Brother Jackson, when I get up to preach, a lot of times I, I just, uh, I really don't know what God wants me to preach. I mean, I'm subject to preach everything in the Bible. I've been known to do that on a few occasions just about. Starting Genesis and, and just preach till it look like everybody's tired. So now, I'm going to tell you something. I ain't got nothing to do but serve God. I ain't got another thing to do. Not another thing. And you say, you got to go back home. I come up here expecting to go home. Amen. Bless God. I just soon leave Mount Airs anywhere I know of. And you say, about your wife and children? They're saying, we'll meet in there. Praise God. And uh, I haven't got a thing to do. I don't uh, uh, pedal vacuum cleaners. I don't sell Johnson's wax. And I don't ring the doorbell and say, anybody calling? <laughs> I ain't got a job of doing that. No, sir. I, all I got to do is uh, preach and stand for God and live for the Lord. Yes. And so uh, if it gets too long, I uh, just uh, wave at me or something. We'll try to slow down. But I want to bring something that I hope will be a blessing to you tonight. You got your Bible? Turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles tonight as we take a text from the Blessed Word of God. The Acts of the Apostles begin reading in the 16th chapter. Now here's a chapter that's thrilling to me. And uh, a lot of folks are kind of mixed up on the thing, I think. Uh, they, they tell you that uh, Paul and Silas were prisoners behind the prison bars. It's true. They're behind the prison bars. But friend, they're free. Amen. I mean, there's for Oh, you see, yeah, but there's behind the prison bars. And there's, there's, there's prisoners. No, they're free. 
Did you ever read John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 32, where Jesus said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Huh? They put you behind the jail bars, no amount there, and they make you a prisoner. Bless God, you're free in the Lord, free in Christ. And uh, the old jailer that's uh, talked about here in this uh, portion of God's Word, he was the one that was bound up. He was the prisoner. He was bound in his sins, bound in his trespasses, didn't know God, wasn't looking for God, uh, alienated from God, damned, doomed, and blinded, just spent eternity in the charred walls of hell. And here's this man. He's sound asleep, but he is a prisoner. He is a prisoner, my friend. He was bound up, and he's on his road to hell. And I want to read the story to you tonight and bring the message from this portion of God's Word. In verse 25 of chapter 16 of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prisoner waiting out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors opened, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then the jailer called for light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved as thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he, and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And uh, when it was day, uh, the master sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prisoner, uh, prison told this saying to Paul, The masters have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart, and go in peace. Uh, now if we look into the story tonight, here's Paul and Silas uh, in the calaboose. They're down in the jailhouse. Uh, and uh, friend, uh, I want to bring you a message tonight. Notice here in verse 26, it says, uh, in the middle of the verse, uh, And immediately the door were open. Now then in verse 27, notice in the middle of the verse, and sin, the prison doors open. I'm going to talk to you tonight on getting your prison doors open. May we bow our heads in just a moment of prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we look to you tonight. Thank you for amazing grace. Thank you for that good hour. Hallelujah. When God's love reached down in the mud and fire, lifted us up and set our feet upon a solid rock. Oh, God, it's never been the same since that day, uh, since Jesus uh, uh, washed our sins away. I'm thankful that good hour uh, when heaven, thank God, moved into our hearts and we became joint heirs uh, with Jesus Christ, uh, the only begotten Son of God. Now, Lord, you know what we need in this hour tonight? I pray that you bless everything that's said and done. May it honor thy precious name. Thank you for jubilee time. And God's people can come together and rejoice in the blessings of heaven. Now, Lord, I haven't come tonight to entertain, nor to be entertained, but I've come tonight to preach the gospel of our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Burn out the sin tonight. Burn out the alloys, the drugs, everything that keep us from living for God. That 
rights to that God to get on the battlefield and to find out the direct will of God as the prison bars swing open. Have your precious way in the service tonight, and we'll give you honor, praise, and glory for it. Save those that are unsaved. Call on the backsliders, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And his stand alone we pray. Amen and amen. Some years ago, I was down in Decatur, Georgia, and they asked me to preach a message that night. And just as I started out of the pulpit, uh, the Speaker of the House stepped up, and he said, I'd like for uh, a fellow back here by the name of Poor Boy, I believe they call him, to come up and give his testimony. They call him this fella, and a great big tall guy, I guess he's six four or six five inches tall, got up out of his seat, he had a crew haircut, he came down, stepped upon the platform, and looked out at that crowd, and he said, folks, for 30 years, I've been known behind the prison bars in the state of Georgia as Poor Boy. But he said, thank God tonight, I'm a, a child of God, and I've been saved by the amazing grace of God Almighty. And that man, while he was testifying, I was sitting in the seat behind him. I never seen as many scars upon one man's head in all my life. And that man told how that for 30 long years he'd been behind the prison bars. But now then, he gave his testimony. How that one night, glory to God, he bowed in the old sail and cried out and asked God to save his soul from a devil's hell. Now that man didn't know what I was going to preach about. Uh, the pastor of the church didn't know what I was going to preach about. But I stepped up. I already had my uh, message uh, and what God had laid on my heart for the hour. And I was to bring the message that night. And I preached on getting uh, your prison bars open. And it looked like that God had just illustrated to this crowd that he's still in the prison bar opening business. Amen. He let this fellow out. And he had done down uh, through all the years. Uh, now as you come to the text tonight, at the midnight hour, Paul and Silas uh, was in the old jail. Uh, their backs had been beaten. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, trouble, distress was upon them. Uh, and old Paul said at the midnight hour under Silas, uh, he said, Sir, we're going to the field, uh, and we're going to sing a little bit, and we're going to have a prayer meeting, uh, and then we're going to try to get a little rest before morning. Uh, and boy, I'll tell you, old Silas looked around and said, All right, he's in this thing number 23. Uh, and they got to singing, The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not walk. He leadeth me beside the field. What else? He restored my soul. Boy, listen. Elvis Presley may have sung the jailhouse rock, but God is the first of that ever rocked one. Amen. I want to tell you, it's the midnight hour. That old jail begin to reel. And she begin to rock. As it did so, the Bible tells how that the prison bars open. God looked down on the scene. And God said, listen, he said, no boys have been in that jail long enough and going to let them out. Now I said to those prison bars, bless God, I began to reel and rock and bore the, the doors open. Paul and Silas came walking out. Now, that old jailer was in there, sound asleep. And all of a sudden, he shook out of the bed. Amen. I could see him as he hit the old floor. And he jumps up. He came running in. The Bible said, trembling. And he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he cried out and he said, sirs, who ever heard? of a jailer calling prisoners sirs. That was just one thing about it. He wanted to get bored again. Amen. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, join a Camelot church and get baptized and thou shalt be saved. Is that what they said? No, sir. You can get baptized near a tadpole in the creek and shake hands with all the catfish, honey, and bind go to hell if you don't get washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen?
And I want to tell you, friends, listen, they didn't tell you to join some church. You know, you turn the radio on, you hear some of these fellows, that's all they ever talk about. It's to get baptized, baptized. And I'm telling you, he says it's what he is. Right there. He's a water dog. Amen. That's what he is. He means that the water is essential to salvation. I'll tell you, friends, listen, if I need I say the water, I'd never sing about the blood. I'd never preach about the blood. I take every sermon in the Bible out that said anything about the blood. I had a song out of the book that said anything about the blood. I'd never sing what can wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood. I'd change that thing. I'd sing what can wash away my sins. Nothing but the water. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the water. Oh, precious is that coal that makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the water fountain. Amen. I never sang at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. I sang at the meal pond, at the meal pond, where I first got dumped. Amen. I never sang amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I sang amazing baptism, how sweet the splash. It's a stable water, but I'm not stable water. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Thank God. Now somebody said, well, preacher, I went there, that's awful. They could say things about denominations and about churches, honey. Let's try to don't blow to the ministerial assassination. Amen. That's one reason I'm an independent Baptist preacher tonight. That's God, I'm fed up with all this hell raising in churches up and down the country. False doctrine. A bunch of liars in the pulpits. Listen, friend, I want to tell you tonight, they didn't tell it. They get baptized. Now, tell you another thing. They didn't tell the to the Jehovah's uh, false witnesses either. The 144,000. Some fellow came to me the other day and he said, Those Jehovah's Witness, he said they used to be known as Russellites. Then they became known as the Watchtower Society. And now they're the Jehovah's Witness. He said, Can you tell me why did they change their name so much? I said, Don't all crooks, alias Joe, alias John, if I didn't believe in a burning hell, I'd change my name. If I didn't believe in heaven, like the Bible teaches it, I'd change my name. If I didn't believe my friends, what the Bible says concerning the Godhead, that is a trinity, and so on and so forth, I changed my name. Have I had a certain one? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, friends, they didn't tell them to get the, uh, into the 144,000. I heard this fellow Garner Ted Armstrong some time back. He said there's no such thing as a burning hell. He said it's an old English word spelled H-E-L. And he said there's no such thing as a burning hell. He said it's an old English word which means a dark hole in the ground. Now he said when we were boys, he said we used to dig the potatoes. And he said my daddy and my grandpa would have us to put the potatoes in the dark hole in the ground in hell. I thought, yeah, just stick you in hell. You come out of bank, Peter. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you one thing right now, honey, listen. The Bible said it's a place where the worm dies not. And the fire's not quick. Huh? That's exactly what it says. Now listen, they didn't tell him to join up the 144,000, the Jehovah's Witness. Uh, they didn't tell him, my friends, to go down and join up with the Whiscopalians. Uh, that's right, the Episcopalians. I call them Whiscopalians. Uh, in 1955, when they voted it was all right for their clergymen to drink liquor, they've been Whiscopalians to me ever since then. Uh, you say, that's a rubbing me wrong. Well, turn around, bless God, and I'll rub you a few strokes in another direction. That's right. Listen, friend, I want to tell you one thing right now. There's 
God. They didn't tell him to join up with the Methodists to pray for kids, not even the Baptists. Some years ago, I had an old great grandma. She went out west, out to the state of Texas. And while she's out there, she came in contact uh, with that damnable doctrine uh, that the Christian scientist puts out. And she said, there's no such thing as pain. Uh, yes, sir. I heard that junk all my life. They had verses over there in Ezekiel chapter, what, uh, 6 and verse 16. Oh, uh, uh, you catch yourself. You could quote scripture and walk around the closet and quote scripture to yourself. And it stopped people from bleeding and all of that. And that's old Christian scientist doctrine and all of that. But anyhow, uh, they had it bite in the mouth. Back to where I believe and believe that. Yes, God, I'm not new for you. Cut your leg off and you bleed. You put that down, you bleed. In fact, the insurance company that I have my hospitalization with paid a, a dear widow just a few days ago $42,000. Her husband got shot through the leg while he was deer hunting and bled to death before they got out of the woods. But anyhow, I got the United States Army and I found an old boy. He was a Christian scientist. I soon found out he wasn't neither one of them. He wasn't no Christian and he wasn't no scientist. He wasn't either one of them. And he said uh, that if you hurt, you think you hurt. Uh, he said it's all in your head. That's all it is. Uh, well, one day I had the toothache. Uh, he said it's all in your head. Maybe about half mad. I said, you ever hear the toothache anywhere else? Uh, who ever heard the toothache in my ankle? Who ever heard the toothache in the heel? Uh, and this guy said it was all in the way that you think. Well, in those two years that I spent in the United States Army, I had to take a bath a few times. Uh, and one day I went to take a shower. And when I got out, this Christian scientist was taking a shower. And I had to go through his to get in the mind. If you know Army style, you got just a big bunch of showers, and you go pick out one. And when I went through this fellow's shower, he had the cold water on. I said, Whoop, turn it off! Oh, he said, it's all in your head. He said, if you think it's hot, it's hot. If you think it's cold, it's cold. He said, if you think it's lukewarm, it's lukewarm. I said, you turn that cold water off and turn that other faucet on. you find out whether it's in your head or not. That's got that hot water to hit his eyes. He'd have found out whether it's in his head. Amen. Listen, I'm an old country boy. I kill hogs about every year. In fact, this is the first year that I haven't killed hogs in a minute of a time. But after a hog's dead, I put him in hot water and every hair on him comes off. Uh, is that right? Hot water makes hair come off. Amen. Next time, you find one of these Christian scientists uh, that says it's all in your head. He doesn't believe in pain. You take him with his back turned, get you a good straight there, and find out what he believes. Now, let me tell you something, bud. I want to tell you right now, they didn't tell him to join the Christian scientists. They didn't tell him to join up with the gooses, the looses, the hoodows, the polecats, and nothing else. They didn't tell him to join the odd fellas. One man said to me the other day, he said, I'm an odd fella. I said, I'll agree with you. You're just about as odd as I ever met. I'll tell you, friends, listen. There's, God, there's a lot of folks that's joined up that are kind of a lot taller. I'll tell you something, any time, they're starting to get curtains over the windows uh, and a sergeant arms at the door, you better watch that out there. I told a large hall fellow the other day, I said, look, me and you brothers from the Lord, if that thing's so good, Julian, what you tell me about? I said, you go down there, join up with that thing, and you let you down there. You don't believe in Jesus Christ, only the God, Son of God, and you and him's got some secrets? <laughs> and me, your brother, and the Lord, you wouldn't tell me about it? Shame on you. Come on, look now. 
I went to a funeral the other day, bless God, I've never seen such a thing in my life. If I'd come in here looking like that crowd looked, you all to laugh yourself after this. I went to that funeral here these fellers were, and I want to tell you one thing, brother, listen. They had their little aprons on and, and a little hat sitting on their And they all come up in that with a little high Is God's heart for sinners to come. Yes, it does. Some years ago, Dr. James Houston, I told this story. It's been a blessing to my heart down through the years. He told how that there's a fellow came to a certain Bible institution that was much older than the rest of the, the preacher boys that was there. He had been preaching as well as some of them, but he was an older man. Started preaching late in life. And he said, this fellow came up one day and said, Brother, come out. I've been praying about it. God, won't you come out? Running it tonight, said, I really did that. I said, Would you pray about it? Brother came out and said, I will. So he prayed about it. God said, I'm not going to preach a few days. So he went out. He said, The first night, then he went to that home cell all night, heard an uneasy noise from the back bedroom. And the little preacher's wife looked at the visit and evangelist and said, Now you'll be staying here all week. And you'll be wondering what that racket is, what that noise is. He said, Come here, I want to show you. She led him there to the bedroom, and there in a little baby bed was a child just about this long. Oh, listen, oh, brother, tonight, said that mother, uh, said, preacher, tonight, said, this is Moses' child. He said he looked in that bed, there was a boy. 
boy, 18 years old, that had never grown much longer than that. His little head was pulled back to his side. He was blind, deaf, and mute. And old brother Kanak said that that little feather's fingernails had grown out and it looked like claws on an animal's body. And he said the only racket in that noise that he was making was some kind of racket he could make with his vocal cords. And it sounded like an animal making some racket out in the woods somewhere. And he said that precious mother reached over, touched that little old fella, and the minute her hands touched him, listen, he came alive. Well, he began to try to smile. He was the clawing at the air with those fingernails that looked like claws. You see, those hands had always been his friend. When he was hungry, those hands were there to feed him. When his little body was dirty, those hands were there to wash him and change his clothes. When he was a sick and his little body was fevered in the wee hours of the morning, there's job those hands just there to take care of him. All the time for 18 years, he depended upon those hands and those hands of always there. He said, that precious little mother told that little deformed, that little blind, that little deaf and mute child of herself. And he said, with tears running down her face, she said, brother, tonight, this is my oldest child, and I love him with all of my heart. Oh, when that preacher said that, I saw something. I saw something. I saw myself one day, wretched, deformed, blind, deaf, mute, the thing that God Almighty, while the taking Jesus reached down, glory to God, and he touched me. Ah, amen. The same way he did that old leper. That God had touched him by God. And the did so, I'll tell you something happened. Remember, those hands had always been my friend. And I'll tell you, he'd always put me. Yes, he had. And Jesus pulled me up to himself and said, Father, this is old Billy Kelly. He's done things he shouldn't have done, said things he shouldn't have said, acted ways he should have acted, gone places he should have gone, but Father, I love him, and for all that he's done, target to my account, praise God, listen, friend, I want to tell you one thing tonight, thank God, when Jesus comes, he opens the prison bars. I drove, I was tired, you tell me, look at my red head, wouldn't somebody fool me too long? Amen. When a fellow's tired and give out, I drove all the way from the state of Florida. I got up from Kentucky, Williamsburg, Kentucky, started the meeting that morning. I got there about 4 o'clock. I was very exhausted, pulled up the churchyard. Didn't know where the preacher lived or anything. We hours in the morning like that, you wouldn't want to wake anybody. So I tried to get a little rest from the car, laid down in the seat. And, and after a while, I woke up and, and it was daylight, and I found where the preacher lived. And he said to me, he said, look, he said, we're going to eat dinner today with one of the meanest men in this country. And said, he's a coal miner. They don't have any children. Said, he's bitter about that. And said, also, said, he's one of the meanest men in this country. But he said, if you feel impressed to God to talk to him, then I'd sure appreciate it. But I'm going to tell you, he said, he's cussed every preacher out that's ever talked to him about God. I thought, now, what did he call, want me to talk to him about, Lord? Amen. Here I am, tired, give out, and he want me to go down there and get cussed out. He just, I thought to myself, now, that preacher just wants to hear me get a good cuss. That's what he wants. So I made up my mind. I go to that fellow's house and eat his rations and get out of there as quick as I could. That's just what I decided I'd do. So we went down to the house, and he didn't seem half as mean as that preacher said. He's about 
Charles says this brother sitting right here, and, and, and uh, I just didn't think he was all that mean. I reckon he was, but he just didn't look that mean to me. We went in there, so now he's like telling a few jokes. We talked a while, and he seemed like putting like an old boy. After a while, he got called us to the table. Boy, they had a piece of steak on my plate, looked as big as that Bible. Was I ever glad to see that? I've been eating a lot of deer meat, uh, deer old bologna and fat back and what have you, and I was glad to see uh, that nice piece of steak. So, I tell you, we gave God thanks for it. I cut me a piece of that steak and put it in that side. I got me another piece and put it over in that side, and then I cut me another piece and put it straight in the middle. In case one of those sides ran out, I have a ready supply. <laughs> Amen. Well, this fellow started telling a joke. I thought to myself, oh boy, you just talk all you want to. You're not going to bother me a bit. I'm going to sit over here, and every now and then I'll say, mm -hmm. and uh, that's all I'll do. And I'll eat this steak, and I'll have myself a big time. So he's telling this joke about halfway through that joke God said to me. He said, you tell that teller that my son died on Calvary for him. I said, Lord, I say, got my mouth full of food. And Ma told me not to talk the food in my mouth. <laughs> God said, tell him. I said, Lord, I can't. I said, uh, it's rude to interrupt somebody while they're talking. God said, tell him. Boy, listen, now just imagine. Here this fellow is, right in the middle of this joke. Right in the middle of his joke, me and my mouth full of food, uh, I lost that steak around a time or two and down it went. I looked across the table and I called his name. Cecil Early was his name. I said, Cecil, did you know Jesus Christ died for you on Calvary's cross? Uh, now just imagine this man in the middle of his joke. Boy, he pushed back from the table, his countenance changed, uh, and I saw what they were talking about then, brother. I'm going to tell you, bless God, his face got as red as a turkey gobbler's snout, the veins popped out in his neck. It looked like sweat jumped out on his brow. His lips turned blue. His Adam Jaffa run up and down looked like 90 miles an hour. And he looked across the table. His old lips went to quiver. And tears started down his face. And he said, I know it, preacher. And I want to send it right now. I said, get on your knees. Praise God. At that time, a big gust of wind blew the door open. And the telephone started ringing. Let me tell you, soul winners tonight, you know what I'm talking about, especially. But you go out and win souls for God. A younger that wouldn't cry if you used to stick them with a straight pin or have a temper tantrum when you get around trying to win somebody to God. I mean, a dog that wouldn't bark on a moonlight night will have a running fit when you're trying to win somebody to God. I told that man's wife, I said, you take the telephone off of the hook. I said, you shut every door, close every window. And I said, I mean to get this man saved. Well, I got him on his knees, and, and I said, the Cecil will tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some scripture here. I'm going to show you how to be saved. And then I said, I'm going to pray. And I said, when I get through praying, I said, I want you to tell God you're a sinner. Tell you sorry for your sins. Uh, confess them to him. Ask him to forgive you for them. Amen. And I said, the Bible said, with the, uh, with the mouth, confession is made uh, unto salvation. So I took off a prayer. I got through and I said, I see some good Tell God you sinner and ask him to save you. He looked up as the hot talk tears is running down and he said, Preacher said he's already. Ha <laughs> ha Boy, when he said that, bless God, Brother called you, I forgot about that door being shut. And I like to run through the thing. Thank God it's shot time when somebody gets saved by the grace of God Almighty. You want to put me on cloud nine? You let some mother's boy, Brother Mays, uh, make their way to an old-fashioned order. You let some mother's child come and bow before God and say, God, I'm a 
sinner. Save me for Jesus' sake. Glory to God, it turns me upside down. I mean, wheels inside of wheels go to turn it when somebody wants to get born again. I was at the Greenville Rescue Mission, Greenville, South Carolina. There's a man sitting on the back seat. The place was packed. Oh, it was packed. They had little kids sitting down in the altar, just crammed up. I stood up in a little hole all around them. with people trying to get a place to sit. And there's a judge, the city judge, is sitting behind me. I forgot about him. I got wound up a preaching. I reached back like that and slapped and like to knock that judge's brains out. Well, I got by that, but it helped. The place was packed. When I gave the invitation that night, I saw a man that had been wiping his face, not with a handkerchief, but with an old rag. He jumped, it looked like two rows of seats. He hit the aisle, and here he comes. He came down on the big high platform, and there's a young boy from Bob Jones University laid almost on his stomach to talk to the man and on the, uh, from the big high platform. And as he leaned over and laid down almost to talk to him, he told that boy, he said tonight, he said, I want to be saved. He said, I want the same Jesus my precious old mother has. My mother's been praying 37 years for me. And said, I want to know that same Jesus. Boy, listen, I'll tell you, after a while, I heard him cry out, God, I'm a sinner. Save me for Jesus' sake. And he gloriously got born again. And he turned to that young worker and he said, you know, tonight, he said, God's answered my mother's prayers. Thirty-seven years, Mama has been praying for me. Boy, it impressed that young worker. He got up. He said to Brother Tom Kirk, the director of the mission. He said, "God answered that man's prayers tonight." Our his mother said, He got saved. Mama's been praying thirty-seven years for him. Boy, that impressed Brother Kirk. He went on. He said, "That fellow, your mother living?" Yes, sir. Where does she live? Gainesville, Georgia. Does she have a telephone? Oh, yeah. He gave the number. Oh, Brother Kirk sent a worker to the office right next to the auditorium. Put in a long distance phone call. He said, Get Miss Brock on the line. I want to talk to her. Well, everybody was eavesdropping and enlisted. A little bit that worker came out and said, Miss Brock's on the line. We heard old Brother Kirk say, Hello, Miss Brock. This is Tom Kirk, the director of the Greenville Rescue Mission in Greenville, South Carolina. I just wanted to call you and tell you that your boy got saved tonight. Boy, when he said that, that old mother shouted on the other end of the line. She said, Praise God! The Lord always hears and answers prayer. And she threw that telephone down. And old Brother Kirk said, You can hear it going through the house, uh, uh, slamming doors. Uh, and every now and then she passed that telephone uh, like the early morning special of uh, going through town, a uh, hollering glory. Amen. Hallelujah. After a bit, she got slowed down enough to get hold of the telephone. And we heard that boy say, It's true, Mom. He said, It's true. Tonight he said, I trusted Christ. Uh, and my Savior and said I received him and he saved my soul tonight. But when he said that, Mama went into orbit again. And didn't have to go to Cape Kennedy to fire off. Didn't have to worry about the capsule burning up, or the oxygen running out, or worry about a soul safe landing. Hallelujah. Amen. She was a shot. You say, well, you shot tonight. It's time that somebody gets the present marshal, but thank God, and gets saved by the grace of God Almighty. Bless God, this you don't do nothing for me. That's what's wrong with you. You need rewinding. Amen. And some of you recap it. Yeah, it scares a person when somebody gets saved by God's grace. Some of these dead heads. One woman said to me the other day, I don't see nothing to smile about. I said, if I look at you, I don't either. Amen. Some people never get happy about nothing. Bless God, makes me happy when somebody gets saved by the grace of God Almighty. That's right. Thrills my heart. Puts me on cloud nine. 
My friends, God loves sinners. Down yonder in Hatches Baptist Church in West Tennessee, had a morning services and revival meeting about 10 o'clock. Most all the people's country working folks, and they'd get up early in the morning, go to the fields and work, and come out to that church for the for, for services. Have a little testimony, meet a little prayer meeting. Then about 10.30, the evangelist would bring the message. On this particular morning, had the prayer meeting, testimony meeting. Now it's time for the evangelist to bring the message. About that time, there's an old mother, God bless her heart. Her hair was snow white, stood up, and said, Preacher, you're going to have to pardon me. She said, I've got a baby boy, it's lost on his road to hell. I'll tell you, my boy's 47 years old, preacher. I can't take it no longer. I've got to pray for my boy. That old mother moved out, started down, got the altar there and began to pray, Oh, God, save my boy. Lord, save my boy. She said, God, I'm going to stay this altar till my boy gets saved. Are they sweep my bones out of this church house. Boy, you ever prayed like that for somebody? Mother, you ever prayed for a wavered child like that? For a drunken husband? You ever call on God to save a neighbor like that? God, I'm going to stay here until they get saved. Are they sweep my bones out of the church? They stayed till about 12 o'clock. The pastor said to the evangelist, what are we going to do? The evangelist said, we'll die with us. That's what it takes. Amen. We'll get him saved. About 1 o'clock, most all the people, country folks, done left. Only about 10 or 12 left. Maybe 15 at the most. Some of them would get down and play a little while and get up and shout a while. But not old granny. God, I mean it. I'm going to stay here till my boy gets saved. I'll just sweep my bones out of this church house. Oh, listen. 2 o'clock, she's still crying to God. Three o'clock. Oh God, I mean it. I mean it, Jesus. I'm gonna stay here till my baby boy gets saved. Oh, they sweep my bones out of this church. Uh, four o'clock. Sometime after four, listen to this. Uh, all of a sudden, that old church door swung open. There's an old boy with an old dirty pile over holes on, an old blue work shirt. He had an old work hat in his hand, and he was a hollering. You could hurt him for a mile. Hello! Hello! He said, God save you, tell him the cornfield. And I'm shouting now to tell you about it. Hey, God, this a friend. It's shot time. When somebody gets saved, by the grace of God Almighty, you get thrilled about it. Nothing will bless you anymore to see Jesus open the prison bars. Look at him in the Word of God. When there's one up there to Jacob's well, get a drink. There's a woman came up. She was a Samaritan. He said, I'd like a drink. <laughs> she said, what are you doing talking to me? Aren't you a Jew? I'm a Samaritan. I'm nothing but a dog in your sight. Jesus said, if you knew who it was talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. Well, that sounds like double talk, doesn't it? Just got through asking her for a drink, and now that he tells her if you knew who he's talking to, you'd ask me for one to start with. She looked at him, you know what she said? She said, the well's deep, and you don't have a bucket. <laughs> but bless God, he didn't need no bucket. Amen. He is the well, by God. He said, if you drink of this water that I am, you will never thirst again. Boy, that woman saw something she'd never seen before. She took off the town, and she said, I want you to come see a man that told me all things. And the Bible said a multitude became believers because of that woman's testimony. You believe God loves sinners? You believe God opens prison doors? Watch this one. Here's a woman taking the very act of adultery. They're going to stone her to death. I mean, they're going to fix her up. They're going to kill her. Jesus looked at him and said, You without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. They wasn't one little pebble thrown. Not one. You know why? 
It's probably as crooked as she was. That's the reason why. You're welcome. They used to turn folks out of church. They don't do that in the morning either. They can't get up enough to run the rest of them all. <laughs> How'd you like that, huh? Come on, brother. Hey. Yeah. Said, give that sin. You catch the first stone. One of one could throw a rock. And Jesus began to write in the sand with his finger. There's three times in the Bible when God wrote with his finger. The first time he wrote with his finger was on a stone on top of Mount Sinai. That was law. The next time you read about God writing with his finger was at Belshazzar's party. There appeared the hand of a man. God began to write on the plaster above the candlesticks on the wall. That's judgment. But the last time you ever read about God writing with his finger, he was writing in the sand. I used to wonder what he's writing. Watch plays a nose on your face. He just told a girl her sins are forgiven. He is writing amazing graces. <laughs> You say, preacher, I've never had that happen to me. Well, that's the reason I'm bringing you the good news tonight. God loves sinners. He doesn't love sin, but He loves sinners. Huh? God doesn't care one thing about your old crooked, nasty, filthy, low-down sin, but God loves sinners. Yes, He does. I was preaching at the famous Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, Illinois, and we got down that morning about 6 o'clock. We had to get up at, uh, at 3 o'clock to get downtown. I mean, we was already in town. And I had to get up early to get downtown. I never, well, that's the biggest place I've been in my life. And uh, we got down there to that famous Pacific Garden Mission. I thought there would be a handful there at 6 o'clock in the morning. Who in the world going to be in a, in a place like that at 6 o'clock? Did you know what? We almost had to get a policeman to get us in. I never seen such a crowd in my life. Brother, the crowd up and outs, down and outs. Everything you could think of, every kind of a center you could think of was gathered out that morning. We, they escorted us in there. And when we got on the platform, I looked over there and said, Oh, Billy Sunday's grand piano that they used in his big campaign. Not a soul there to play it. Isn't that pitiful? Yeah. Isn't that pitiful? No musician to play that wonderful instrument. And there's all those sinners sitting there. But I'm going to tell you something. These old big aristocratic churches and all this crowd that was so interested in their numbers on Sunday morning. Why didn't they have a number down there helping out, bless God? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Amen? I mean, that's where, where the hardcore sinners are, my friends. Yes, sir. Nobody to play that musical instrument. There's a big old thick-tongued German got up that was over yonder in Germany when Adolf Hitler was in power. And he got up, he never told them who I was, nor where I was from. You know what he said? In his broken English, he's going to preach to you. That's all he said. Nobody sung a song. Nobody prayed a prayer. He didn't even tell them who I was. And said he's going to preach to you. Well, I got up, and boy, I, I wasn't really ready to preach. I mean, I thought they ought to have some kind of little preliminary there. And, and I wasn't really ready to preach. And in desperation, in desperation, I turned to my preacher friend. I said, uh, how about leading us to the song? He said, I can't say it. I can't say it. Boy, I would have done a dog that way. I'd say she'd been coming around the mountain or something, nothing else. <laughs> That's right, but I'd done something. I'd say Yankee Doodle or something, but I'd done something. I would have done a dog that way. 
And here it is Monday morning to me, so horse I couldn't hardly talk. Of course, I think a preacher that's not horse on Monday, they ought to fire me to hell. Amen! That's right. But I thought I, got a, I could hardly talk, and, and that fellow told me he couldn't sing. I thought, well, boy, I'm going to preach. So I took a text and started. I could hardly talk, and all the time I saw it cracked up, I was begging God down in the recession of my soul to help me somehow. I said, Lord, this thing happens here this morning. You'll have to do it. And after a while, boy, God opened my throat up. I'll I tell you what the truth is. It looked like there's eight or nine hundred people packed in that place. And way back y'all, it was a room all itself. And they had the worst drunks back there. I mean, fellas are drunk. that they could come into the service, they had them in a separate room. And I tell you, God got on me. And I got a and boy, after a while, I came down to the end of the message. <laughs> boy, I wound up, Brother May. like you get there. Yeah. And I said, now that I was the song leader to come, the musicians to come. I'm desperate now. I said to my preacher friend, well, would you come lead us to the song? He said, man, I can't sing. I can't sing. I said, stand. Everybody stand. They're going to sing Amazing Grace. I thought everybody knew Amazing Grace. Saints and sinners alike. Amazing. They want to know about singing with me. That's all that crowd looking at me. Well, I said, you don't know the words? Well, let's just hum Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody humming but me. Devil said, you're the biggest fool I've seen in my life. He said, no wonder you look like you look. It just fits the part. <laughs> he said, you're the goofiest goof I've ever seen. Boy, I've got the feeling. I'll tell you what's truth. I want to quit. I just wanted to throw the towel in and quit them. That's just about the way I felt. And then God said, son, you preach the truth and give this plea. And I said, fellas, men and women, I said, you don't know the song, Amazing Grace. You don't even know Amazing Grace. You don't know the author of Amazing Grace. I said, it wasn't John Newton. That's not the author of it. Bless God, God's the author of Amazing Grace. And I said, this morning I'll tell you, you don't get nothing else. God loves sinners. If you'd like to go to heaven when you die, or, or, or before you die, or get saved before you die, I said, would you, would you come on right now? Boy, I'm telling you, the aisles flooded. Bless God, here come eight in one drove. An old colored boy was leading the whole crowd. That's one time I almost got integrated. Amen. I jumped down there in my Bible, and I, take, I, 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 I could tell the way he talked. He's a southerner. I said, where are you from? He said, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Boy, he went to weeping. He said, I don't know the same Jesus my old mammy knows down yonder in Hattiesburg. Boy, he got to crying. And, and boy, I tell you, I heard such confessing. Praise God. I tell you, folks began to get saved, or at least they made up a face to face, all over that place. Now, here's what I'm saying God opened the prison bars. You say, does God still do that? He's in that business tonight. I don't care how hard they are or where they come from. God can save him. The worst, the worst. I was standing tired, standing in you. Out in Jonesburg, Tennessee, I saw a man that took a 45 loaded wise praise. I heard him cry, God save for Jesus' sake. David, Tennessee, I saw a man that had taken his little baby by the ankle to beat his brains out against the wall. Scream to God, save, uh, save me for Jesus' sake. And God reached down and saved him. And that's been the story through all these years of my ministry, friend. And where people call on God, yeah. God opened the prison bars. Now let's look at another angle of this for just a moment and then I'll close tonight. 
Not only does God save sinners and open the prison bars for them, but God opens the prison bars for Christians that are bound up and locked up. You'd be surprised how many Christians across America are not bound. When Jesus went down to the grave of Lazarus and said, Come forth, I don't believe anybody got a pick and shovel, got there and dug him out and, and hit him out. I believe he came forth. Amen. I believe he stood there in the grave clothing. Now, if you'd have opened the grave clothing around his eye, he could have seen you. You'd have pushed your finger in his eye and it hurt him. You could open the grave clothing around his mouth, stuck a chicken leg in there, he could eat that thing. That's right. But he couldn't have handled it. He was bound up. You could took a straight pin, stuck it, and you it hurt him. Yeah. He is alive, but he is bound. Now, these people are not, listen, they're alive. They're saying they're not going to go to hell. That's right. I was in, uh, over here in Georgia last week, and a woman said to me as I walked to the store, she heard about my preacher ringing up at the church. She said, hey, said you believe people dip stuff go to hell? <laughs> I said, no, ma'am. I said, no, I believe you'd go to heaven. But I said, if you didn't go to heaven, you'll have to go to hell spit. <laughs> and I lived the back as well as some folks. I'd spit in a fruit jar, sit in the refrigerator, and drink it. I got just as much right to spit in your drinking water as you had to blow smoke in my air. Listen, I'm not trying to be mean, but some of the most inconsiderate people on the face of this earth are smokers. You go in a restaurant, order your good meal, this guy next table, or he's just getting through. I mean, he's done through. He'll say nothing about you. He'll get out of an old stove and fire that thing up.
this till I see somebody reach up and go, Hey! You want your prison bars open? One guy told me 